Welcome to the Board Game Community Show, where we talk to people throughout the board game community, get to know them better. I'm your host, Riley Stock, and today I've got Mike Tanner. Hey, Riley. How you doing? I'm awesome. How are you today? I'm good. Excited to be recording. Yeah. Excited to have you on. Oh, it's good to be here. I was really excited to, uh, to get a chance to talk board game stuff with people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've actually... I'm not very active in the tabletop mentorship uh, Discord. Yeah, but I see you on there every once in a while, and I I'll see pictures of things you're working on, or or just comments on things you're working on. I'm like that guy's a cool guy. Well, I I, I like that response to me. That's not a response I get all the time. Uh, at, at home, <laughs> my wife and children are not typically telling me how awesome I am. Although I often tell them how awesome I am, but it's nice Good. to occasionally hear it from somebody else. So yeah, yeah. Hey, well, you're welcome. I understand that. My wife's like, oh gosh, this nerd. Why did I marry this? My wife and I have like such distinct, like my wife described this week, I was, I was teaching uh, the kids a board game and then I was teaching it to her afterwards. And uh, I said something and I was like, didn't you hear me like just explain that rule though? Like, didn't we just go over it? And she goes, oh, I hate listening to people explain how to play board games. So I just wasn't listening. <laughs> and I was like, this is good to know. 13 years into marriage and 21 years in our relationship that anytime I've ever talked about board games, you have been off on a desert island somewhere listening to something else. (laughs) Will she play board games much with you? Yeah, she, she likes board games. She's, she's very, she's very competitive. Mm. So if she like games that should be like pretty casual, she is like, I will destroy you. Um, Like there've been like, conversation like aggressive conversations in like a game of ticket to ride oh where you're like i mean all i did was block that one little place and i know that was kind of a jerk move but like got me seven points lost you nine points i feel like and just you know so she likes playing them but um it's often hard to get her started with a board game like she hates the learning of a board game she hates the the setup process that sort of stuff so if you can, yeah. if you can avoid all that, which honestly most of us also hate those things. Um, <laughs> so, what if you can avoid that and get her into the game? She's uh, she actually really, really likes board games. So, yeah. my wife is the exact same way. Plus, I am terrible at explaining new games, so that only makes it worse for. We, we have a really good like. So, I have a weekly board game night. We're lucky where we're at in Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia, that we're we're pretty good right now in terms of being able to go around and see a few people. And so I've been able to have our physical board game night, um, which is like awesome. Um, Yeah. But um, we we have one guy who introduces every game. He always says, welcome to Scythe, the game of this. And then he sort of goes through sort of the basic rules. And so it puts all of the mental labor, honestly, on him and it's what he likes. So it's so much easier. And then I find when I have to explain a game, I'm like, wow, how do I explain a game to someone? Again? Right. So it's, and I, I'm just not used to it at board game night. There's just, we have that guy and he does that thing. And it's, uh, yeah. Well, kind of going with that, you're a game designer, hence being in the program. <laughs> I am a game designer. Yes. Have you play tested your, any of your games with people kind of outside of your family? Um, I've play tested them with, uh, with my board game group, which is my family. Um, not, not my oh. real family, but is more or less might as well be. 
Uh, right. They're the people I call when I need help moving an appliance or anything like that. So they're, they're close enough to family. <laughs> nice. um, I've, I've done a little tiny bit of play testing a little bit digitally. Um, just some, some small stuff where I've sort of sent some stuff to people and had them go through it. And then I've just sent out uh, one of my games out to a few local people. Uh, it's a simple uh, deck builder. So it's something you could just send out a small pack and say, Hey, here, go ahead and play it. Um, and, uh, have, have just sent that out to some people who are not, who do not necessarily, uh, love me by necessity. So it'll be interesting to see what some <laughs> of that feedback is. So, yeah. Nice. I was wondering how explaining your own game feels. It's teaching your game. Yeah. It's a really, it is a really challenging thing because especially, you know, like I've played my own game like 150 times by myself. Like I've, right. I've gone over it over and over again to be like, okay, this works, this works, this doesn't work. And so the first time you explain something, someone asks a question, you're like, how do you not know that? It's really hard to get out of your own head. And like the curse of knowledge is really difficult to overcome. Um, I've, I've since learned from a, a few people, including my, um, the, my mentor through the table, uh, the tabletop mentor um, program, like, give people as little as possible and see what they do with it. Um, Hmm. I think there's a tendency to sort of be like, I want to explain everything so that you get this game right. And because I want you to be able to play it. And I think people skip over the learning to play. This is going to be one of the big sticking points. So make sure that people can learn to play it without like you don't come in the box. So let's make sure (laughs) we we give people a way that they can learn it. So it's really been, um, the, the way I've done it the last couple of times is here are the rules. Let me know if you have any questions. Um, and oh, nice. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to see people struggle with it sometimes. Cause you're like, Oh, you just, you're, you're wrong. And how do I, how do I get you to be right without really putting my, you know, my stamp on it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, one of the bigger challenges I think in, in game design is, trying to get people to understand all the stuff that's in your brain and putting it out in the, in the box or on the board. Yeah, totally. I, I had a board game prototype convention that uh, my mentor helped me get uh, prepped for. Mm -hmm. And I told him like, I am so scared to explain my game because I am famously bad for at explaining things. And so he was like, just practice it. Like, we'll whittle down stuff and, and, and watch some videos on how other people did it. And, and I had to teach the game twice, two yeah. sessions. And, and uh, the first time I did, okay, you know, like it was shaky. I was nervous about more than just explaining the rules, the whole situation. <laughs> but the second time I was like, dang, I nailed that. I, I did a good job explaining my game. It's it's really rewarding to be able to do that. And it's funny. I find like, you know, my background is, you know, I've got an education degree. I've been a trainer. I've been a presenter. I've done all those things. And I've, and it still was a struggle to explain my game. Like I, I think that it's, it's difficult. I think because like, you know, for example, the game, the game I just taught my kids and my wife was Istanbul. Um, It's a game I really, really like and I wanted to spend some time on March break playing. And I could explain that one pretty well, even though it's relatively complex, because in the end, I don't actually care if you like it or hate it. Like I do, because I want to play it, but like, it doesn't Mm. matter to me. But I find there's that added component of like, not only do I want you to be able to play this, 
but I'm trying to like convince you that it's great while I'm explaining it. Um, there's that sort of like, oh, and there's this fun part where you do this and you're like, hopefully it's fun when you do that. Because uh, <laughs> if it's not, this goes south. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm invested in this and I really want this to work out. It, How it, do I get that to work? <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually been one of the good things about um, there's a, there's a comedian I really like, uh, Brent Morin, and he has this joke where he says, "I was with my best friends," which means I was with my worst friends. And <laughs> there's I, I've always you know I, we kind of go with that line every week at game night as as you know as we pick at each other and do all this kind of stuff. But it was interesting when I brought the game to my group, um, the the most recent one that I brought to them. Because they were really good about being like, look, we're not going to cut you any breaks on, like, that you're our friend and we love you. Like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to tell you the stuff that we hate about this game. We're going to try and break it. One of them literally just was like, I'm going to try to break your game. And I was like, good. Also, <laughs> that's so mean, but it's also very helpful. Um, yes. And so it's it's important, I think, getting people in the right mindset to test your game is as important as the testing itself. Like I didn't, my, my uh, mentor, Jamie was incredible with helping me prep for my my latest play testing session, which was like, explain to people where you're at with the game, explain to people what you want from them and what you don't want from them. Um, Cause my group was very quick to be like, what if you did this and this and this? And I was like, cool, you can go make that game. Um, right. <laughs> you tell me the problem and I'll try and fix it. But like that kind of stuff can be, can be so common with people. Like people just drill straight down to the mechanic instead of thinking about, you know, well, why and, and how are the ways you could do this in the way you want to do it. And I think that was uh, incredibly helpful this time around to come at it from that perspective. And uh, it made a huge difference in the play test. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And I think of, Things that usually people go for first is artwork. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're like, no, this is a prototype. Like none of this artwork is finalized. Like this is just something I can change real quick. And I'm and not going to spend a lot of time on the artwork too much. And that's so hard. Cause like I, you know, I, I listen to a lot of board game podcasts and like, that's the, the feedback you get from most of the major designers out there. Like people who've have like a great history of this, they're like, look, don't spend money in the art, don't spend time on the art, don't do any of that stuff, like just get to it. And then you're like, yeah, but like, I don't want to play a game that looks like garbage. So that, that has been right now. That's my biggest challenge is like fumbling through a little bit of graphic design to get it to a point where it's not horrifically ugly um, (laughs) and enough that it's playable and that people, because for me, that's a, that's a huge part of design. Um, like I think if you if you took a game like Scythe and and took out like the graphic design and the artwork, it's like not nearly as good of a game. Um, and so, why would I want to play that game without that stuff? Like it just really changes the dynamic. I think it's a it's a huge struggle of like how do you how do you get art in place without selling a kidney? Um, yeah. So it's yeah. like watching an Iron Man movie where he's just wearing a cardboard cost costume. hundred percent. Like it's like, <laughs> you're just like, I mean, I get it. It's kind of like it, the, the movie, like there's the, there's like overweight Spider-Man, uh, old school thing where oh, you're yes. like, 
Yeah, I mean, he probably cost you less than Andrew Garfield or Tom, whatever his name is. And it, so this <laughs> probably works out for you, but like hard for me to invest in this story with that Spider-Man. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Well, what made you want to design games? Whew. Um, right. I, everyone's, I'm going to shy away from everyone's answer that I've ever heard, which is, well, I started playing Dungeons and Dragons. And then, <laughs> uh, so I did start with playing Dungeons and Dragons, but I, um, yeah, I, I started playing games more probably about 10 or 12 years ago. I played a lot of like real basic classics growing up. Like my family played a lot of Clue. Uh, my family played a lot of Monopoly. Like we, we played some Risk. High school, I played a lot of Risk. Um, so I, I played sort of the really traditional ones. And then like a lot of people, I kind of got into it when um, Settlers of Catan and Ticket to Ride really like hit really heavily on more, um, more uh, generic pop culture stuff rather than in the board gaming industry. Mm-hmm. And so I started playing them and I, I thought they were great. Um, I have different opinions of them now. Neither of those games do I really enjoy that much anymore. But I just, I didn't realize how much there was and how much you could do. Um, and when I started seeing other games with interesting mechanics and all these sorts of things, I thought these are fascinating. Like I just thought they were so cool. And then about, um, so I, I started playing with a, a group. We, we've been playing now for close to 10 years. Um, and just really was involved with all these different games and just really started to think about them more, I don't know, cerebrally or whatever, where I just thought like, oh, you know what? This game would be really cool if it did this. And this game would be cool if it had this. Or like, this is the thing missing from this game. And so I started, not in a negative way, but I started poking holes at games I was playing a lot. And then just decided like, why don't you put your money where your mouth is and try and design something yourself? Like, I, I enjoy that that aspect of creativity. Um, and I've always, you know, I've written a lot. I've done, I had done a lot of like D&D writing before. And so for me, it was like, okay, games. And then I started and I was like, this is really hard. Like, <laughs> I thought it would be very, very easy. And it was not. Um, I was really struck by the idea that it, it was way more complex than, than I thought it was. And, um, I, so I actually walked away from it for a while. I just thought like, look, I, I can't, I can, I'll pick holes at stuff, but like, I just can't design a game. And a few years ago, I was listening to an episode of board game design lab, uh, with Gabe Barrett and Gabe said, designing a game is hard. So don't design a game instead do one of these two things. He said, either take a game that works and build an expansion or take a game that's sort of a classic and sort of reinvent it a little bit. So like take someone's hard work and like just build off of it rather than trying to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I did. I started with uh, with snakes and ladders and horseshoes and hand grenades, uh, which was the first design that I did, um, which was... Which uh, is just- spoof of monopoly right obviously it's a spoof of monopoly it adds a certain clue element and there is some uh (laughs) some trouble uh that happens in it um but yeah it was very much um it was it actually came from playing snakes and ladders with my son is is it called i thought it was shoots and ladders so this depends it it's the same exact game and so this is why it gets really funny for me. So growing up, you I've seen it as snakes and ladders and I've seen it as shoots and ladders. 
neither of them make like shoots and ladders makes more sense because you're like right like a, a shoot like a slide yeah or a ladder um but growing up all the versions i had were all snakes and ladders which makes huh. no sense because you just slide down a snake that is for some reason on a board um and then you climb up a ladder and so i've always had this like does the snake eat you and then are you excrement like how how does a snake like why am i on a snake um but the the games I had growing up were all snakes and ladders they, rather than shoots and ladders. Interesting. Um, and when I brought it to my game group, my best friends who were my worst friends, I brought it as shoots and ladders because it made more um, it made more sense to me. And every my game group, there's this like ongoing joke of like, "What's a shoot?" And I'm like, "Well, it's like a like this." And then like everyone would just pick at it and pick at it. And finally, I was like, "You know what? It's snakes <laughs> and ladders. I'm not doing this." And I, I like the way snakes and ladders sounds, even though it, it's, it's less so. so. So yes, you are right in that shoots and ladders and snakes and ladders are the same game. And one of them makes sense. And the other one is the name that I chose. Um, but it works for yours because you've got snakes, ladders, horseshoes, hand grenades. Horseshoes and so. hand grenades. So um, the, I, was, I was playing a regular game of it with my son and just realized, like, this isn't a game. like. I have, I have no choices to make. So like I roll a dice and I move that exact number of spaces and there's nothing that matters. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing we actually did, and, and he thought this was really cool. My son was like four and he's always kind of been into game design as well. And so I said, well, what if you got to choose how many dice you rolled? So you can choose to roll one dice, uh, one die, if you're looking to get to like a ladder that's really nearby. Or you can choose to move, roll two dice and move a little bit further. Um, so he and I started playing it like that. Um, and it was suddenly like, oh, this is like sort of a push your luck, uh, like relatively fun, like just a, like a simple change made it much, much better. Um, and then I added a, a ton of chaos, which is you have cards that allow you to do various things throughout the game. Um, and it's designed to be a really fast paced, hectic game which is like not snakes and ladders snakes and ladders is like okay sit here and try not to fall asleep while you roll a dice um right <laughs> but uh yeah it, it just sort of grew from there so that was the the first game i designed and then from there i was able to start to think about games a little differently and so, so that's sort of when i started really thinking like oh i could actually design a game you have another one called loot that sounds really interesting to me yeah so uh loot was something that um I, it came from a much, much bigger design. So when, when you talk about, you know, you'll hear a lot of people talk about game designers in terms of either, are you a painter or you're, are you a sculptor? So like, do you mm -hmm. start big and tear it down? Or do you start from the beginning and sort of build it up? And I was walking with a friend of mine uh, and, and our kids uh, over the winter. Uh, Cause it's, it's only about six months old at this point. And um, I was explaining this game I wanted to build and like, it couldn't be bigger. Like it was, well, what if you had a time traveling worker placement with a hexagonal board that's also a deck builder with hidden information? And I was at the time explaining to my son, like he was overcomplicating a game of hide and seek with his friends. <laughs> and so, right, you can see where this is going. So I'm like explaining like, you know, you always, you, you make too many rules. Like you try and complicate things. It's a fun game just as it is. And then you're adding all these things. And my friend Colin looked at me and said, 
tell me again about this game you're trying to design. And I was like, all right, no, that's fair. Um, I do the same thing. And so I actually built it as is, like as I had described it. And I looked at it and said, you know, there's there's actually only one fun thing in this, which is the deck building part that I build that I designed. And so I decided, well, why don't I use some of those other ideas for other games and pare this down to the piece that's fun, um, which is, you know, advice that I've, I've seen a million times, like find the fun in your game and just invest heavily in that. Um, so loot became a, a dungeon crawling deck builder where you're fighting monsters, uh, but you're against, it's a, it's a two player game. I also designed it thinking like, what if we just are stuck in our house with our significant other forever um, what would be a good two-player game that we could play? Nice. <laughs> yeah, just leaning into that pretty heavily. Um, so the idea is it's a it's a deck builder with an auction mechanic where you fight monsters. And your opponent has the ability to impact how strong the monster is or how strong you are, similar to like a munchkin style. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a face-up uh, draw row. Um, and so at the end of each encounter you secretly determine how much money you want to spend on getting your next card. And the winner gets to choose the first card and the loser gets to choose the second card. Uh, so you're, you're, and the point of the game is to have the most money when you're all done. So you're, you're using the only resource that matters to try and get the cards that are going to give you the most of that resource. So there's these very crunchy decisions around like, do I give up five coins or three coins? How much is this going to really benefit me in the long run? What's the consequence of not getting it? So it's um, it's a small game in terms of, you know, it's it's uh, I think it sits right now at eighty four cards or so, um, hmm. and uh, but with a like a pretty heavy decisions, but also very fast. Like there, you're not going to spend a lot of time. It's it's a simple decision metric with not so many options, but um, was really designed to be like a fast paced game and, and it is tested really well so far. Like it, the, the thing I've been really proud of in, in both the games that I've worked on so far, uh, and it matches with like my personal player psychographic um, is they're fun. Like I'm not a, like a heavy Euro gamer. Usually like long-term engine building and strategy has never been my, like the reason I play games. I play games for like the big moments in a game. Um, And both my games so far, the feedback has been like, this was fun. There were awesome moments. And so now it's just trying to take away everything that doesn't produce those, those moments. I do the same thing. I'm kind of, I'm a chiseler. (laughs) Start with something big and chisel it down. What do you, what do you find is the hardest thing for that? Like, how do you, cause like I, I chisel away these mechanics, but I'm like, but I like that mechanic. So how do you right? deal with that? It's some of it's player feedback when I get that, but even still, it's like when I'm designing the board and making the components, I do it all on the tabletop simulator. Yep. Is this taking up too much space? Does this make the board look cluttered? I'll kind of go through that process and be Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, maybe I don't need this idea or maybe I can simplify this and and cut it into this process. That's the biggest thing I struggle with is I I got for Christmas, I got this awesome kit that my wife got me called the White Box by Jeffrey Holcomb. Mm, Yeah. So it's this, it's like, 
here's all the cubes and all the hexes and all the coins. And so it's really nice to get stuff like physically on the table. Cause I'm more of a, I haven't done, I'm, I'm just starting to learn uh, TTS so I can start to get games on there. Um, Ooh, exciting. Which is, which is very exciting. Cause I want people to play it. I also have this real challenge in it, which is like, but I like to touch stuff. Like I am such a physical gamer. Like, you can Absolutely. you can get away with giving me a game that either I I don't necessarily love or I don't understand or I'm not very good at. But if it's really heavy in like the physical play experience, I love it. Like like I, I bring up Scythe all the time. I think the Scythe is an, an incredibly well designed game. I've never remotely come close to winning that game. Like I just I, I I'm <laughs> terrible at it. But I'm like. Ooh, and I move this here and I do this here and I, I've got this mech and I've got a, I can add things here. And so like, I, I really love the physical aspects to it. So for me, having the, the white box and being able to just take out some cubes and some meeples and all that stuff and throw them on the table and start to move them around has been, um, has been huge for letting me work through stuff. Cause then as soon as I start to like touch things and move things, I go, Oh, that doesn't work. Um, like that's not something I'm going to want to do. And and it's wild. The other thing that I find crazy is as soon as start people start to like, as soon as people touch something and it breaks and you go, how did I not figure out that that was going to break? Like, yeah. And it's, it's shocking. Like how <laughs> I not blowing my own horn, but tooting my own horn, but like you're, you're thinking through all these things and then it's like the smallest little thing just falls apart in a game <laughs> and you're like, well, I really wish you hadn't have done that because that was the game and now it's not. And it's, so I, I like moving stuff around and going, Oh, well, when you do this, it breaks. And so for me, I do, um, I tested out a lot with myself with a lot of solo plays before I'll ever bring it to somebody else. Basically. TTS though. Uh, it's like, you just have to add time and yeah, you don't get the physical feel, but you do get to open up your audience and who gets to play test it. Oh, especially it's in today's massive world. for that. Yeah, well, that yeah. was when we first. So my group, um, when we when we first went into lockdown, um, my group decided, okay, we're going to do TTS, and it went poorly because the my group was we we're friends. So like most of game night for us is like eat junk food and make fun of each other, and, yeah. and so like the the games are like. We were joking the other day around like if we weren't playing games, we have a large group now. We have seven people, um, which has become challenging over the last little while of like, well, what, what do we play? Yeah. Um, most games are four. Most games are four. We've been using six with a player who sometimes sits out and runs the game for us. Uh, same guy who mm. likes to explain things also likes to actually sort of be a, a game master. And so it's been fine that way, but, one of the things we realized was like, we talked about this the other day was like, look, if, if we couldn't play games anymore, let's just hang out. Like, so for us, TTS and using like discord audio channels and stuff, it, it, it pulled away from the experience. And so it, it turned me off of TTS in that mm. it didn't do the thing I wanted it to do because what I wanted it to do was not go play games. I wanted it to hang out with my friends. Yeah. And I, and I found for that platform, it just wasn't quite the same. And so it's taken me a while to get my head around the fact of like, oh, that's okay. Cause that's actually not what it's a hundred percent for. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
when you're playtesting something, you don't want to be joke. Well, I mean, you, you do want to joke around do, a little bit. but like... Table talk, but... Yeah, I, I just mostly like... For me, it was like... It's hard for us all to make fun of someone for something they did at the same time over a Discord audio channel. Yeah. It cuts, so it's like... Yeah, that makes it more difficult. So for, for me, for a long time, I just, I, I just, uh, I sort of disregarded TTS because it wasn't doing that thing. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, okay, yeah, this is fine. So it, it's, it's now, and now I'm realizing like, oh, there's like so much, like I've had all these people through the mentorship and through Twitter and stuff like that who've been like, hey, I'd love to try your game. How do I do it? And I'm like, okay, so you get two shots of a vaccine. And then you fly to Canada <laughs> and you meet me on my deck and we'll play. Um, so it's just like the, the things that it lets you do, I'm all of a sudden like, oh, I was like a dummy for not, not picking up on this a little sooner. So, yeah. Well, and it's, it's intimidating at first. I'm part of a board game designers guild here in Utah. Luckily, there's people who are just mind-blowingly great at the, all of the digital platforms and so I just have to go on and be like, hey, I'm trying to do this. And somebody will be like, hey, yeah, hop on the audio channel and, and screen share and I'll walk you through it. And yeah. Like, oh, such a good resource. <laughs> right. And I thought it would be, I thought TTS would be so hard. Like looking at the end product, you think like, oh, so I have to have an engineering degree and a yeah. master's in computer <laughs> science. And then you find out like, hey, have you ever used GIMP? Okay, well, there's your cards. Um, <laughs> hey, have you ever have you ever clicked anything? All right, well, that's the game. Um, it just it is fascinating. I mean, yes, there's much more you can do with it, and I've seen some amazing simulations on it versus some oh, yeah. that are a little more basic. But like to get a game to the table in the same way that it would be for you to like cut it out on cardstock and throw it in front of your friends is like pretty easy. Like it's not it's not crazy difficult, and for me. There's the investment I have to make on the front end, but the iteration is so much easier. Because like with loot, it's like, okay, I made all these cards. Okay, well, you calculated them all wrong. Like once we started playing, I was like, oh, there's some significant changes I want to make to it. And then it's like, okay, so I got to redo all these cards, reprint all these cards, cut all these cards out again, bring them to my group. And it's like, well, on TTS, it's like, hey, I uploaded the new deck. We're good to go. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's definitely an area where I've had to, uh, I've had to sort of say like, Hey, that real quick part at the beginning that you're uncomfortable with. Yeah. Work through that. Cause it's worth it on the other side. And that's like something with game design in general is like, yeah, that uncomfortable part, like get through that and start having fun doing it. And then it just, it becomes a lot more, a lot more enjoyable. Exactly. And you even save money. Because yeah. you don't have to print stuff out and get oh. new things. If you need a new iteration of something, if you find out your whole game board is wrong at one part, you don't have to redo the whole thing. Well, that was the biggest thing. Like I was, I was literally about to. So I don't like. I was not a. Um, I was never a big Magic: The Gathering um, player, and I bring that up because everyone I've talked to about how to make cards is like, well, just sleeve them all. Like, what's the problem? Like, yeah. How, and I'm like, well, because I don't like that feel. Like, I really like the feel of cards the way that they're, they're made to be. And so for me, I was just in the midst of being like, all right, so I could order a thousand blank cards and then rewrite <laughs> them every time I wanted to do them. Or I could order 
a thou- like 300 sleeves and print all this stuff out. And I have looked recently at like what, what some print and play options might look like as a, a bit of a, a design challenge for me. But when I look at what's possible with TTS, I'm like, yeah, just take the time to learn it. Like, yeah. And, and th- that's the other thing is like, I didn't realize how open the, the board game design community would be to like helping everyone with everything. Like, right. It's wild. Cause like I've been involved in other communities that have like, not to suggest there aren't gatekeepers in the board game community, but especially mm-hmm. in the design community, I find there's more gatekeepers in the player community and in the, in the, the playing community than there are in the design community. Um, Cause in the design community, I find like anyone, including some relatively big names are like, Oh sure. I'll help you with that. Like, why not? Like, it's just, it's really interesting to see what a, what a nice group it can be in general. So, yeah. And I think that's cause you know, in other businesses, uh, industries, it's like you're a competitor. And so your whatever you do might take away from what I do, mm-hmm. but here it's like, whatever. Yeah. We're competitors, but whatever you do, I might want to play. Yeah. And I might love what you make, and and it might be one of my new favorite board games at game night, you know? And and so we all want to help each other. That's the thing. And I think, too, there's this aspect of, like, when I learned that you couldn't, like, I I had no idea about this. When I learned you couldn't, like, trademark a mechanic. Yeah. Like, like that games were just like, oh, well, just, you could literally take everything that everyone does and make your own game with it. I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? I just didn't, you know, I come from, from the work in, um, you know, I'm, I'm a marketing director, communications director. And so like, I come from like project product management and project management where it's like, <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone what you're doing and make sure we lock it all down. And so to come into a community that's like, Oh, um, do you want to take that thing I did in this game and just use it in your game? And you're like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> it's just really <laughs> wild to me. Yeah, like how do I get the rights to that? Right, <laughs> like you just take it. You just take it. You like, like you like that dice tower thing that happens in Wingspan. Cool, build one of those. You're like, what? yeah, what? what? Like, so it's a very, um, it's just a, it's so wide open. Like it, it's it's really game design to me is like the ultimate open source community because uh, it's you can't lock it down. It's it's open source. Um, yeah, and so that part has been really interesting. So when I've talked about like, oh, I wish I could. Like I've had dozens of people where I've said, yeah, I just, I haven't gotten a TTS because I don't know how to use it. I've had dozens of people that I, that I don't know. Just be like, do you want me to show you how to get it on TTS? Like <laughs> I could do that. And you're like, okay, I guess <laughs> it's just really, uh, it's been interesting that way. With your mentor, how's that been going? Really good. I've, I've had to take um, a little bit of time off of it right now, just because my, my, my real life, as you can imagine, as, as in many game designers, game design is not my full-time everyday job. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, we, we've, we've been really busy at work. So I've had to sort of tone down how much I can, um, how much time I can spend working on it. But Jamie was really incredible in, in number one of saying, okay, well, I'm here. And, you know, let's continue to just, you know, poke and prod each other a little bit on some things that we can do in the meantime. Um, and the mentorship, I mean, I can't get over the program in general. Um, I can't get over how well organized it is. 
how inclusive it is, how I, I made the, uh, so my, my biggest thing, it's, it's actually interesting with, um, with, with Jamie and I working together is that I am a white male and I specifically said, like, I, I don't, I, I'd like to work with my, I, I live in a relatively white male community. And so I'd like to work with people who are of uh, different gender, uh, different ethnic background, like different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and and J- Jamie's big thing was like, he said, uh, they said this on a, a podcast the other day is that they just didn't really want to work with a white male. That was their only thing. They were like, as long as I don't work with a white male, um, <laughs> that's fine. And then when we worked together, the whole idea was, well, that's from, from a safety perspective, they, they had had really negative experiences and they wanted to support, uh, support people in a, in a really great way. And we worked really well on the idea that, you know, I wanted to learn things like how to just be more conscious of pronouns and how to be more conscious of experiences and things that people were comfortable with and weren't comfortable with and why people liked the games they liked and didn't like the games. And so for me, the the biggest advantage of the mentorship group was just to see the game design world through very different lenses. Um, Cause for me, it's like, well, I, 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 this is all set up for me to win. Um, and that's great. Uh, but I, I want to know what, where spaces are in the community that I'm maybe not conscious of or not making room for or not being respectful of in some ways. Um, and so the, the game design part of it has been really helpful, but uh, so has the sort of getting to know people aspect has been um, one of my favorite parts of the whole program. Yeah, it's an awesome community they've built there like even beyond just your mentor there's so many people there that are willing to help both mentors and just other like participants i guess yeah and the the way that the tier system sort of work and who's a mentor and who's a mentee and and how it all works out was really interesting to me because you know it's really easy to fall into sort of imposter syndrome when it comes to game design oh like are you a game designer? Well, I mean, nothing's published, so <laughs> no. Or like, well, I only sold this many things, so maybe not. And there's there's all these areas where it's really easy to fall into those traps. And what I love, um, what 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 they said when they were on a podcast I was listening to was like, you can be a mentor if there's something you know now that you wish you had have known before. Like, I love that description of what it means to be a mentor. Like. Did you learn something at some point in your life? Cool. You're available to be a mentor. And it just evens the playing field in a lot of ways where, um, where, where it makes people feel really comfortable with, with things they're working through. Um, you know, as Jamie and I were talking about things, there were things that I was really good at that they were like, hey, could you help me with that? Like, that's not something I'm great at. And so it, it became this really... Uh, really great working relationship that way. And I think that's, that only happens if you're really purposeful and really careful about designing a community that way. And I think they've done an an incredible job of designing the community that way. And I think the whole board game community is, especially like you mentioned with designers, that that's kind of how it is. And if you don't fit in there, if you are not like open to other people or friendly or 
or accepting of other people uh, for who they are, you generally don't make it or don't last very long. Yeah. And it, it, it it's funny because there's so many, um, there's so many areas of the world right now, societally, culturally, where like you can be a bad person and like just still make it. And you know, yes. I'm, I'm making that as a very vague, you know, bad person generic reference. I'm not right. But like, you can do that. And I generally what I've found so far is that the board game community is, um, is not a community you can, you can do that in. And, you know, we're seeing people who maybe were part of the community for a long time. We're seeing that start to change with, with some people, um, and, and having like repercussions for their actions, which I think we're seeing socially as well in many ways, but it just seems like there's so many places you can continue to thrive, but board game, the board game design community has been like, yeah, I don't think we're going to let that happen. I think we're going to be an awesome community. And like the only gatekeeping will be, are you mean and bad and not nice (laughs) to humans? And if that's the case, yeah, there's a gate. But other than that, come on in. Um, Yeah. And that part for me has been, has been huge. Um, Like, you know, I've got, two small kids. Uh, my son's nine, my daughter's uh, going to be seven in a couple months. And that's the stuff I care about. Like, you know, my son plays hockey and, uh, for me, I'm like, Hey man, you can't skate great. So like you're going to struggle with being a great hockey player, but the stuff you're doing in the locker room that the coaches are telling me about and the stuff I'm seeing with your teammates, like that's the stuff I actually care about. And like, I was telling him this week, actually, like, if you could get just like a little bit better, you're going to make teams that you shouldn't make based on your skill because you're a good guy. Um, and that's the stuff that I care about a lot of teaching them. And so for me, that's, that's what I've loved about the community is just like, yeah, this is how it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, I haven't been to many conventions in person, but the one I did go to, there was a game that I thought, was it looked amazing i watched it played for a little while and i was really interested in it and then i started talking to the designer and he was very dismissive kind of my like my wife was there and he afterwards she was like he's kind of (laughs) rude like you were genuinely interested in his game and asking him questions about it and and like he just did not want to give you the time of day and I was like, yeah, it kind of made me less interested in his game. Like I, w- I wanted to know when it was coming to Kickstarter and I still don't know if it went to Kickstarter right. or not because like, or how it did because he didn't want to give me the time of day. Yeah. And I've, I've found that's been, you know, I, I just started the last, um, you know, year or so I've started backing some projects on Kickstarter and sometimes it's been like, yeah, I, I paid the full price cause I want the game. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, I I just threw a little money that way because I I thought it was cool and I wanted to sort of boost it a little bit. But oftentimes it's actually been the people like now that I'm a bigger part of the of the Twitter community, especially with board games, I go look for projects that the awesome people in my community are talking about them making. Like it's far more often now for me to be like, oh, this person I chatted with the other day is doing something. I'll go back that than it yeah. is for me to go and be like, oh, there's a great playthrough video and there's a great this, and there's a great that. So I'm going to go ahead and back it. That happens sometimes. If, you're, if your game is awesome, I want it. But there's a lot of like, if you're awesome, I want your game. 
Like exactly. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting because it's just so different than other, uh, th- than so many other communities that way. Like it's, um, yeah, it's just a really, yeah, I love it. I love it. Happy. Yeah. At yeah. that same convention. So my wife was kind of being like, is the board game community not a very nice community? And I was like, I don't know. This is our first convention. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then there was like a raffle and we won one of Tim Fowers games. Okay, yeah. And Tim Fowers was there. And so I, I was like, oh, I've never played in, I've never played this game. I'm excited to try it. I just went up to like meet him and tell him I was excited to play his game. And he like, he was running a play test of Burgle Bros 2. Yep. And he just stopped and let them play. And he talked to me for like five, 10 minutes. And I was like, just trying to talk to him, like, and just say like, Hey, I'm excited to play your game. Thanks so much for donating it. And, and all this stuff. And, and he just like genuinely had a conversation with me and, and talked to me. And I was like, this is awesome. This guy's rad. And then later I had no idea that he was a pretty big name in the board game industry. And when I got home, I looked him up and I was like, Oh my gosh, he does this game and this game. And, Oh, he's he he's so revered, and he was so nice, and and from there it kind of dominoed into seeing how many other people are just amazing in the in the whole community. Well, this is and when you when you meet great people, it's it's so awesome. Like I, I had a story; it's not board game related, but I work with a with a Christian ministry organization, and there's a a local guy who won a Stanley Cup. He played for the Anaheim Ducks, won a Stanley Cup, and he lives like down the road from me, kind of thing. And I'd never met him, but I'd like followed his career. And he was at an event that we were that we were hosting, and and I got to meet him. And I wanted to know like what was it like to play with Team Solani and Paul Korea, and like what was it like to <laughs> live in California, and like when you won a Stanley Cup, how was that? And he was like, I you know I hear your your son plays hockey, like yeah, my daughter plays hockey too. And we spent like fifteen minutes talking about being hockey dads. So then I left the I left the room and I went in another room and my people I work with knew that I was like really really excited to like to meet him. And so they said, "Oh, did he show you his ring?" And I was like, "No, I forgot all about it." Like I <laughs> and and so he came in the room, they went to him and they were like, "Look, Mike really wants to see your ring." So he came and like let me wear it and I have this picture of me wearing a Stanley Cup ring and um we we've since hired him. He he works with us now, but it was it was just amazing cuz I was like you're kind of not supposed to be as nice as you are. Yeah. Like I, I sort of just imagined that if you didn't want to be, you could just be whatever you wanted to be. Um, but it's, so it, it's interesting to me, like people who don't have to be that nice of a person when they are like, it sounds like you had that experience as well is like, Oh, like that's awesome. And I've, I've just in the board game community, I've seen that so many times with people who are like, you know, I was at a conference or I was at a, I was at a, uh, a convention and somebody came up and they asked about my game. So I played with them or I talked to them or I gave them a copy or I did this or whatever. And just seeing that from people, it's a very, um, it's just a very inspiring thing to see. Makes me excited for conventions to start up eventually. <laughs> I know, right? I've never been to one. Um there's there's no game convention per se where where I live or really that close. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I live on the east coast of Canada. It's a pretty small spot. Part of me has thought there's an okay board game community here. So part of me, given that I have a background in conference organizing, I, I was like, 
maybe I just go make it happen. Um, which is something I've, I've talked about recently. So, um, but, but I love that stuff. Like I I ran a a conference for a long time called pod camp, uh, which they happen all over the place. Um, but they're these unconferences. So basically anyone can go give a talk about anything they want. It's like Ted, but there's no, there's no like screening process. It's just, what do you want to talk about? It's usually digital uh, or community oriented. Um, and so I've done that for a few times and I've just sort of thought like the first talk I ever gave at it was how to use Dungeons and Dragons in community building. Um, and so I'm like, well, maybe I just make the convention that I want, you know, be the change you want in the world. Well, be the con- the convention you want in the world. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's actually, uh, does NunPub, I think NunPub might have like kind of a, a program where if you want to start a convention in your city or your area, they'll help you set it up. Oh, nice. I'll have to um, check it out. That's, that's sort of what, um, that's what PodCamp um, did. Like you had a, you could sort of contact the overarching organization and they'd be like, sure, here's how you do it. Here's how you set it up, that kind of stuff. So it might oh, be, very uh, nice. Might be cool to check out. I just really, I, it's it's been so interesting to me because getting to talk to people about, you know, I get to play games with my kids. And, and like I say, my son is very interested in game design. Like me, he builds far too large of a system and then it's just chaos. Um, but I, you know, aside from online, I don't necessarily have the space to like talk to people about game design or like board games and that sort of stuff. Like it's just sort of like play a game and then cool, you're done. Um, And I've loved, you know, being part of the the tabletop mentorship program, the communities I'm a part of on discord now and same on, on Twitter, getting to actually chat with people about, you know, mechanics, which is such a, a nerdy, silly thing that if I went to my (laughs) wife, like if my wife got home from work tonight and I was like, Hey, just wanted to talk to you a little bit about worker placement. She would exit the house. Like she would just, <laughs> she'd be like, yeah, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Um, so getting to have those kind of cool conversations with people about something that they also think is cool um, is, is really um, has been really, really interesting. So I'm glad I'm not alone in that, that <laughs> my wife, like, <laughs> She'll she'll put up with me talking about it for a couple of minutes, but at a certain point, she's like, "Okay, like let's move on to something else." There's a chance that we're married to the same person, and she's just an amazing uh, commuter. Yeah, um, because <laughs> like what what she'll often say is like the mistake my wife will sometimes make is like leaving an opening. Like I'll mm. mention something about board game night, and she'll be like, "Oh yeah." And I take that as like, now I can tell her everything. <laughs> and like shortly granted. into that conversation, she's like, no, 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 no. Um, I was a hundred percent humoring you. Um, <laughs> I will listen to, did you win? Did you lose? Maybe one detail. Uh, I am not listening to how you built your engine or <laughs> how you messed somebody up or whatever. She's just like, no, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Pretty sure we're married to the same person. Yeah. I'm yeah. convinced. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, and it's been interesting. Like she, when she gets into a game, like m- m- she'll play it and she really, really enjoys it. Um, but again, yeah, it's, it's hard to like, I'll try any game that you throw at me. Um, same. 
I'm just like, oh, it's a game that I don't like that style or theme or mechanics. Okay, let's play it. Like, let's just do it. And and if I don't love it, I don't love it or whatever. But she's pretty, it, it takes a lot to convince her to try a game, but um, she loves board games. Um, but it, it does take a lot to, my son, I can just be like, hey, hey man, I found a new game. And he's like, let's do this. Like he's nice. all in and it's been awesome because like they play games that are definitely like my daughter is six. She beat me at Istanbul last week, Ooh. Uh, which I was like, I'm very angry at you for being six and beating me at this Euro. <laughs> but like also that's pretty cool. And like they've, you know, they've played Dominion for years, Puerto Rico, um, Ticket to Ride in Catan, they actually also find kind of boring in the same ways that I do, um, which, you know, is probably because I lean into that pretty heavily. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been really interesting to see the games that they're interested in and what, the, what they like to play as well. Those games like Catan and Ticket to Ride, they're, they're great for what they are. And I think, like, I hold them very high in my mind because they're what got me into games. Exactly. real board games yeah so they're I totally they're, get that yeah like they're games like i i don't want to play a game of Catan, and i don't want to play a game of ticket to ride however i wouldn't play clank or root or whatever if i hadn't have played ticket to ride and Catan exactly. and all those things so i think that they're i think also you have to give a certain amount of uh, like credit to the beginners like like Dominion, for example, is the first deck builder that did deck building the way it oh, yeah. did it. And so, like, yeah, I think there's games that are way more interested, that are way more interesting that do deck building now. But, like, you have to give credit for the fact that these were the first people to do it. Um, and so I think the same with Catan and the same with, with uh, Ticket to Ride you know, we, we wouldn't have whole genres of games if if they hadn't have done it in the first place. Um, I mean, it, it's funny. I just played Clue the other day with my, we went to visit my mom and we played Clue. She has a new version, which is like weird, but hmm. there's like an additional, it's, it's real weird. You basically have the potential to be murdered while you're out looking for the murderer. Um and it's just done in a really random way. Like it, it's done in a really like, it doesn't look like a lot of design thinking went into it. It just looked like they were like, how could we add something to clue? Um, but we, oh. we, so we played it sort of the traditional uh, way to play. And I thought like, you know, like, yeah, I don't find this game as interesting as I find most games now, but like, imagine when this game came out, like, Basically, other than this, you were like, would you like to play Cribbage? No. <laughs> How about this only other game that we found? And so I think yeah. that there's a certain, um, I think, reverence that should be held for the games that started it. And, you know, I, I actually feel that way about Monopoly, despite the fact that I often hate it. We, we play it a lot during the summer at our cottage, and the kids really like it. And my wife basically will refuse to trade the entire game. Uh, which ruins the game. And then if you eventually convince her to trade, she will lose and she will be furious at you that she agreed to trade when she didn't want to trade. 
and so it it it, it spirals out of control um, pretty heavily. But um, but yeah, I think like as cool as all the new games are and stuff like that too. I think that there's a certain place for hey, if you've never played a game, maybe don't start with Terraforming Mars. Like, yeah. may, maybe maybe start with Clue or Risk or, you know, before you play Risk Legacy, probably play Risk. I like to get to know people beyond board games. So what do you do outside of board games? Like, what hobbies do you have outside of this? Just board games? No. Um, <laughs> so outside of board games, uh, I've, I've regularly uh, been a podcaster. Uh, I've had podcasts about business, pop culture, potato chips. Um, I'm about to launch another another podcast actually on on board game design. Um, I I love sports, so avid. Uh, I play hockey. I just started playing a few like ten years ago. Um, so I'm not any better than my son, really, who is nine. Um, so play a lot of sports, uh, and last year I got super into uh, biking. Um, so I started doing a lot of trail riding um, last year. So we have a, a cottage that's about an hour outside of the city, and so I would actually bike and and sort of meet my family there. Um, and yeah, family life keeps me pretty busy. Um, so I've, as I said, I've got two kids. And so we, we spend a lot of time adventuring. So we're, we're sort of big outdoorsy. So every weekend right now is a hike or a walk or a visit to the park and that kind of stuff. And a big movie buff. I'll watch any movie that ever comes out oh, nice. uh, pretty much. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's the stuff that sort of, uh, sort of gets me going. I've, um, I have a, a decent sized library um, I have an English literature degree, which means you can either get another degree or build your own library. Um, <laughs> so I built my own library and got another degree. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I like to spend as much time as I can, um, relaxing as much as possible, you know, with two relatively young kids, it, it can get pretty hectic. And so when I can sit with a cup of coffee and a book, um, that's that's as good as it gets uh, for me in a lot of cases. Nice. Um, What's a favorite movie and a favorite book? So my favorite movie will tell you that I will watch just about anything. Um, oh no! <laughs> my my all time favorite movie is actually Point Break. Oh, okay. Uh, the Keanu Reeves, uh, Patrick Swayze, Laurie Petty, Nick Nolte surf crime drama. Um, <laughs> Which I, I just, I really like. Uh, it's just such an exciting movie, I find. And, and since then, I'll, I'll watch anything Canada does. Um, nice. So Point Break is, is one of my favorites. I was also a huge Kevin Smith fan. Um, I, I like a lot of really uh, dialogue-driven movies. So Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Clerks, all that kind of stuff was all stuff that I was very, very into. Book perspective, my two favorite books are... Uh, I'm actually going to name three because I can't make decisions very well, uh, which is why my games have 100,000 things before I start poking away at them. Um, so uh, The Hobbit is a book I fell in love with growing up. It sort of inspired me to to do a lot of reading and to get into fantasy and, and D&D and all those sorts of things. Um, and then the other two, one is a book called The Legend of Bagger Vance, which was also made into a film with Will mm-hmm. Smith and Matt Damon and Charlize Theron. 
um, but it's the it's the Bhagavad Gita, so this uh, this religious text translated into the game of golf, um, and it's a really really fascinating story. Um, and then the other one is the Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman, which is about a an athlete who goes through sort of a, a transforming life experience. And um, yeah, I like sort of. Um, I guess new age ish kind of stuff. Like I find those, those stories really fascinating. Um, you know, my, 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 most people I know that uh, read a lot, it's like, okay, I read, you know, romance or I read detective novels and me, I'm like, I read something that I hopefully don't understand the first time I read it and then try and figure it out from there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's sort of the stuff that I like to, uh, that I like to read. So you're an intellectual I play one on TV. Um, I, that's, the, that's the character I play. Uh, I'm also just, you know, a, a big, dumb football player who has had a history of concussions. So, I, you know, it's, uh, it's a whole bunch of stuff that way. But Is, um, is football football or soccer? Am, American football, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I, I work with uh, – the, the ministry I work for is all over the world. So I work with people in the U.K. and Australia and, and Texas. And so – I'm very careful now, usually to say things like American football yeah. rather than <laughs> rather than football, because people are like, "Well, that's not football." Um, but yeah, so uh, played football all through high school. Yeah, I've al- always been really, really into sports, and so um, that's the stuff I like. Yeah, yeah, we got to know you. Bert. Like, that's a lot of hobbies. That's a lot of stuff. There's an amazing book that I read recently, and I don't have it here because I lent it to my neighbor, but it's called. How to Be Everything by Emily, I want to say Wapnick, W-A-P-N-I-C-K, I think. And basically she writes this book about what she calls multi-passionates, which are people who traditionally have been told, like, why can't you just pick something and stick to it? And so she's like, well, because that might not be how you're wired. Uh, and it, it's in this really interesting thing where I've been like, oh, that's why I like to write and do podcasts and do music and like board games and movies. Um, cause that's sort of what I'm into. Um, so yes, a little bit of everything, uh, is, is sort of how I, how I do things. Well, let's wrap it up. Sure. What, what have you got to plug? Social media, website? Uh, so reallylittlegames.com is my website. And so there's, there's nothing coming out. Like I, I can't do the traditional like launching on Kickstarter on Thursday. Yeah. Um, we've got this. Um, the, the games, you know, it really was just in, um, in January of this year that I, that I said, okay, this is actually something I want to do more than just a, a hobby. It's something that I actually want to start putting out in the world. So uh, my, my plan is that two of the games I've been working on for a while, um, my hope is late this year, early next year, that I'll probably bring them to Kickstarter. Perfect. Well, until next week, keep nerding out, everybody, and and we'll get to know somebody again. I haven't come up with a sign-off yet. I'm terrible at sign-offs. I liked, I liked the, my favorite part is that I really liked where it was going, and then you sort of like the voice trails off. You're like, that's... You know, mm, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think your sign off every week should be, I think it's maybe board game design bros that do it where like their sign off every week or maybe it's their sign in is really like, it sounds like they are missing it, but it's like obvious on purpose. Yeah. I, I think it's their sign in where they're like, we're two brothers who also 
maybe. And so I actually really like the, uh, I like, I, I think you should keep this closing exactly as you had it, which was like, and you know, see, yeah. Bye. <laughs> Please come back. <laughs> Please come back. I'll get better at this next week. I swear. Yeah. No, that was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Board Game Community Show. You can follow me on Twitter at NerdOutWithUs. And if there's guests or somebody you want to get to know better in the Board Game Community Show, or in the Board Game Community, let me know. You can DM me or at me. Whatever is clever. And if you want to come on, you can also let me know. I would love to have you on. No matter how big, no matter how small, whether you have a project going on or not, I'm just happy to chat with people. Mike Tanner has launched his podcast, so you can find that most places that you listen to podcasts, and that is That's Barely a Game podcast. So go check it out. I listened to the first episode, and it was great. It was, I think, very fun. He talks to people who are new designers, so not your big-time designers, but people who are more uh, growing in the industry, typically. So definitely worth a listen. All right. Until next time, board games, board games, board games. Ah.